and they might need it in a circuit and they might need that noise out of circuit circuit and <laughs> they might need that noise at a certain holy shit <laughs> wow you can do it kathy you can and do they it need that noise at a certain frequency yay Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. 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 I agree with your name, <laughs> <laughs> by the way. I actually tried to take a nap, but then I couldn't get my brain to shut off. I so hate I didn't that. Take a nap. Yeah. Me too. And that is frequently the case for me when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. My brain's like, let's think of all of these other things that have nothing to do with sleep and that aren't at all it's relaxing. It's so annoying. Really yeah. is. The other night, did I, I can't remember if I mentioned this. So the other night I took Buddy's cone off for a while because he was, he's really oh. itchy at his neck. And, oh. but he, oh, he was being buddy. really good because I was sitting next to him, just petting him and letting him do a little <laughs> bit of grooming and whatnot. And... I was like, oh, great. He's not really scratching his ear. It's looking really good. I got up for like 10 seconds to go give 13 her medication and he reopened the wound. Ugh, it wasn't as awful. bad as the last time he did that, uh, but that, okay. well, that's that good, dumb cone head is still in his cone. So That's really annoying. Yeah. Wasn't great. You Poor know. buddy. He's so cute. But the reason I bring it up is because then I spent the entire night feeling guilty about it and I could not sleep because I felt so bad he was going to be in his cone oh. for longer. That's awful. Shut- yeah. That sucks. I'm like, sorry. Poor buddy. Aww. And poor me. Poor Kathy yeah. and poor buddy. <sighs> that sucks yeah. a lot. Yeah. Boo. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, indeed. So other than sleepy, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's been a busy day. Yeah. Uh, lots of things. What did I even do? I feel like it was one of those, the kind of day where I feel like I was busy doing stuff all day, but didn't really get a whole lot done. Like I watched the episode for today. Uh, I had a meeting for work and then I actually went to a job interview that went really well. Um, but then I didn't get most of the other things done that... I had wanted to do today so yeah so here we are that means I'm gonna have to go do some work after we finish recording unfortunately which I don't normally do I can actually probably wait until tomorrow morning but I should probably work on it some tonight you're so good I try it's the weird the weird schedule of an adjunct who doesn't really have any true work day and just fits their work in anywhere outside (laughs) of class yeah oh I was busy all day, okay. too. Yeah. Well, and you were working a real job. Oh, you have a real job. Uh, well, I mean, I, I know, but, like, the only real work I did for my job today was a half-hour meeting, though. Fair. I mean... Ooh, but on the bright side, they did offer me classes for the spring semester. So awesome. That's, nice. that's great to hear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, uh... We... How was work? I had... It was... It was annoying. and It was busy in an annoying way because normally I... I don't want to say I do whatever I want, but mm-hmm. I 
do a lot of things that I generally enjoy, but today I had to sit down yeah. and do a bunch of data entry to help with some problem, and it was oh, so boring. I just wanted yeah, to die. That, that's tedious. Oh, I'm sorry. Stupid <laughs> spreadsheets. Uh, that really sucks. It's okay. It's, you know. The spreadsheets. I actually never minded that stuff a whole lot. I found it kind of cathartic in the various jobs that I've had where I had to do that but usually it was also like my break from talking to terrible people yeah <laughs> or like dealing with smelly fish necropsies or whatever so True. compared to either of those things I'm like yay data entry most of the people <laughs> I talk to are not terrible so it's usually yeah that's okay. good that's very good but I, I enjoy more of like answering questions and troubleshooting stuff which I did not get to do yeah. much of today and I, it's fine if I have to if I can zone out and put on music and do mm -hmm. that, but I get I still get constantly interrupted with questions, so I still have to have an ear out. <laughs> just... Oh, that's annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. But anyway, that's my work wine. <laughs> mm, work wine, W I N E. If only mm. it'd be so great if I could just sit there, <laughs> sit there teaching class and drinking a glass of wine. That'd be amazing. The only time I have work wine is during our winter party. That's fair. I mean, I guess I technically have work wine if I'm having a glass of wine, like while I grade stuff, but that's not really quite no. the same. Not the same. It's okay. It's fine. Speaking of work wine, though, the job interview that I had today was at a brewery. So I'm not going to say too Woo! much about it because I don't want to jinx anything. And it would not be in place of anything else that I am currently doing. So it would just be three part-time <laughs> jobs and a podcast that is the equivalent of a part-time job, even though it doesn't really pay. But thankfully, at least breaks even at this point. Because <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. So Apparently, why not? Apparently, <laughs> yeah. But long story short, discounted or free beer. Yes. <laughs> yes. If that pans out. I bet it'll pan out. That'll be awesome. It'd be fantastic. Yeah. So aside from complaining about stuff today, <laughs> what are we talking about? We are talking about Stargate SG-1, Season 2, Episode 19, One False Step. A lot more numbers again. Yes, there was another mm. added number. You know, last time I said I didn't really remember it, but like as soon as the episode started today, I was like, oh, right this one <laughs> and which is what happens for a lot of the time with these episodes but this one i actually remembered even more like actually i remembered pretty well as soon as i saw what was going on in the beginning and i only remembered one aspect of it and then didn't remember much of it so gotcha yeah yeah so let's talk about it we can coconut says hi please. coconut bark 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 <laughs> She's very cute. She is very cute. If Pepper were in the room, she'd say hi too, but I left her sleeping Aww. on the couch. We haven't had Pepper snores in a while. I know. Well, since I... But you're always recording in a different spot now. Yeah. Right? So when it was still in the living room, I was often sitting on the floor, so she would just sit next mm -hmm. to me. If I get around to building the smaller box in the living room, which I could do, I could then have a Pepper next to me again. What if you built a pepper fort within your recording fort? That would be fun. I mean, I think she didn't be enjoy being in the fort if she would just come here, but instead she yeah. just is in other rooms and howls. <laughs> like last time. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that has nothing to do with Stargate. So the episode starts with the wormhole opening. Sam and some lab people are prepping a drone, which is up on the ramp. Sam runs up to the control room and tells Hammond that it's ready for launch, so he gives the word. As the thing goes through the gate, Jack says how much he loves watching that happen. Random tech guy, not Lieutenant Crush, not Walter, don't know who he is, counts down to the drone's arrival, and Sam says that if this is successful, then they'll be able to do a lot more long-distance reconnaissance, since up to this point they've pretty much been relying on people on foot. (laughs) Sam is watching the image that the drone is sending back on a monitor, and notices that there are some worm spots. Jack asks if that could be life, but she says that they're not moving, so it's not that type of life, at least. The tech says that they're losing signal, so she switches to manual controls and essentially looks like she's playing a video game with some fun joysticks. But despite her attempts to prevent it, the thing crashes into a mushroom-looking organism. She's really pissed and has no idea why that would have happened because they've designed it for this exact situation of being able to operate on the other side of a wormhole. The tech manages to reestablish the connection, but the only camera image that we see at this point is the knocked over mushroom thingy and parts of the UAV, which presumably should have been attached to it and not showing on the camera, which means that they are now not attached to it. So they discuss going to get the flight data so that Sam can figure out what happened. Apparently the thing crashed 10 miles from the gate, so that's going to be quite a walk. (laughs) And then all of a sudden on the screen, a person... (laughs) prances into view and takes a close look into the camera. So I was like, well, I guess that confirms life forms, but like we already saw life. We saw like plants in that mushroom thing. So we already knew there was some life. We just didn't know if there was animal life. The person moves out of view and seems to be pulling the camera and the UAV somewhere. (laughs) So Jack's like, well, I guess that changes our priority because now they have to go and get their technology from the alien. Hammond nods. And we get credits. Oopsie. Yep. Two things. Yes. First, we yes. get another thing Sam can't do, and that is she wow. is not a botanist. Right. So she's true. not a vulcanologist, she's not a botanist, right. and she can't deliver or babies. possibly a mycologist, because that looks like a mushroom to me. But she said botanist. They refer to it as a plant the entire time, so we'll go yeah. with that. <laughs> so that's the first thing. <laughs> I'm yeah. keeping that tally in my head, although I'm thinking about writing it down. <laughs> Sam doesn't know. Yeah, and then, you know, maybe throwing that all together into a <laughs> cut, but you'd want to see if that there were more of them before you do that. <laughs> yes. So this is a future project, maybe. Volcanologists, uh, volcanology, childbirth, and plants. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Midwifery, if you will. <laughs> I don't know why I love that word so much. I it's just a fun do. word. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean oh, to interrupt. Oh, no, you're fine. What's your other the thing? The other thing is the dude with this face in the camera was wearing a very obvious bodysuit. I know. It was <laughs> distractingly not yes. actually a naked body. Yes. I made a note of that elsewhere because they hadn't yet mentioned that these people were supposed to be naked. But yeah, for sure, clearly wearing a bodysuit, <laughs> which they later mentioned, these people look naked. Yeah. No, no, they no. don't. No. <laughs> even though, yeah. uh, even though, um, they're naked. <laughs> whether or not they have genitals, who cares? Because they're different. Whatever they're supposed to be different. Right. But since you could clearly see the bulges 
through the bodysuit. It's just kind of the whole effect was just weird and ruined. I don't know. Just like. Yeah. Like if they I mean, like they seem to be trying to get the people to all look um, ambiguous as far as gender goes. But I still feel like the, I feel like I have seen it done better elsewhere with yeah. less obvious bodysuits and maybe like just different clothing. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. maybe they had only a budget for cheapy bodysuits. So whatever. Anyway, maybe. Those are maybe with ages. Maybe it's because the the high def TVs nowadays are just that, not what Stargate was meant that for. That could be too. <laughs> that could also be. Yeah. After credits, we are on the planet with SG One. They've just come through the gate. Daniel says this is deja vu, and Teal'c unfamiliar with that term. So Daniel explains. That it means he feels like he's been there before. And Teal'c points out, that is correct. We were here yesterday. <laughs> so that was fun. Mm-hmm. Then Daniel sneezes. Yep. Yes. They head in the direction <laughs> the drone UAV they think it is. And mm-hmm. Sam can't find a signal, but they just kind of head that way. And then Daniel says the aliens looked docile and more curious than harmful. And Jack's like, I thought it looked bald, white, and naked. <laughs> and Teal'c asks if they're in fact aliens since this is their planet. So wouldn't SG-1 be the aliens? Right. <laughs> and Daniel's like, well, technically. Daniel Dan's Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Something about, you know, different cultures or perspective is what is actually alien. Right. And... Jack asks if we can call Teal'c an alien because he's from Chulak. And then suddenly they arrive at the crash site. So we don't get a lot of walking in this, even though it's six hours each way. Right. <laughs> at the crash site, the knocked over plant thing is oozing some yellow goo. Sam takes a sample of it, explaining that on Earth, plants have lots of medicinal purposes and that up to 80% of our medicines come from plants. So maybe this will have some medicinal purposes too. Jack's like, cool, check it out then. Daniel is recording the video camera and taking images of some shorter mushroom plant looking things. He guesses that maybe they're just not full grown yet. He sneezes. And apparently Tilk has taken over tracking of the UAV, and he says it seems to be over that way. So Sam finishes her sample collection, and they all head out. And they find themselves looking from a distance through binoculars at some round structures. Kind of looks like planet Spaceball, but in Earth tones. Spaceballs? Oh, shit. There goes the planet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they're like, oh, there's a lot of dwellings. Then the same alien they saw in the video pops out Peek-a-boo. from the bushes or something. I- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sam notices and taps Daniel, who kind of grabs onto Jack's elbow, like tugging at him, which I thought was kind of fun. <laughs> Yes, since he was still looking through the binoculars. Yes. And the man imitates Jack holding the binoculars by putting his hands up around his eyes. Daniel then waves and says hi, and the guy runs off. Daniel's like, that was the wrong thing to say. 
Dale heads then for the structures, the space ball camp there. And more people appear outside this dwelling, and Jack wonders if they're friendly, and Daniel says he will find out. Their stiff-legged method of walking and running reminded me very much of the aliens from Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, I was trying to figure out what I was seeing. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, and like the kind of vacant smiles that they would occasionally have, too. It for sure reminded me a lot of that. I loved that movie. Me too. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in the village, SG-1 approaches the locals very slowly. People come out of their huts to have a look at them. There are those short mushroom plant things all around. Daniel introduces himself, and they all point to themselves and mouth words as well, but don't actually say anything. Daniel smiles and tells the rest of SG-1 to try smiling too, so they do. And the aliens all smile back. And then surround them and come closer and start poking at them and petting them. <laughs> Tilk had exactly the reaction that I would have had to this in saying, I am, I am not, not fond of this. <laughs> yes. Jack isn't so thrilled either, but Daniel insists that they need to allow this to happen in order to have a peaceful greeting. One of them takes Daniel's knife because, of course, I mean, like, really, you would think Daniel, of all people, would be the first one to be the most protective of his gear from these people <laughs> being the anthropologist but no sam gently convinces the kid to give it back but daniel sneezes <laughs> and it surprises everyone so much that the kid jumps in surprise and it results in a big gash on sam's hand since the child didn't know any better than to hand it over to her blade first the aliens all back away and seem kind of alarmed at the sound that daniel just made some of them go inside, so the team decides that Daniel will follow them inside, but everybody else is going to stay outside. In the hut, an adult is putting face paint on the kid. Daniel sits down next to them. Everyone looks at him and stops what they're doing, and is just kind of curious about what he's doing there. So he gestures to himself and tries to tell them his name again. The others all gesture again and move their mouths, but still don't say anything. So Daniel figures at this point that they just either can't or don't speak. So similar to in the movie, he draws a picture in the dirt that he says is meant to represent him. And then the others kneel around him and try to do draw some random squiggles in the dirt, not really seeming to quite understand what Daniel is aiming for. So he takes off his glasses in exasperation at this point, and the person doing the painting puts some paint on Daniel's face, and he says, thank you. <laughs> I called that guy necklace. He was the only one wearing a necklace. <laughs> they were the only one wearing a necklace, were, yes. Oh, yeah, I should say they... I. There was no way to differentiate any of them from yeah. the others. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, they looked like male actors, yeah, but... that's true. Mostly, It mostly seemed non-binary, so I'm, I went with they. Outside, the rest of the team is just hanging out. Jack wonders what they're talking about in there. And then we cut... <laughs> it was an exciting scene. Yes. <laughs> then we cut to back inside, where Daniel is running around with his arms out, making airplane sounds. <laughs> and the folks observing him seem pretty concerned. <laughs> Yes, they do. Daniel stops, and they kind of look at each other and at him. Yep. yep. That's it. <laughs> yep. 
And then the hard cut to whatever commercial used to be here, I felt you really just made it like that much funnier <laughs> yeah. somehow. I don't know why, but I literally laughed <laughs> at this scene. I completely forgot about that. It's just... <laughs> so it was a nice surprise. Yeah. Good times. Daniel comes back outside and lets everybody know that the obviously not naked aliens are not in fact naked. He says that they've got some sort of a body paint on that hardens into a second skin and also says that this is the strangest culture he's ever come into contact with. How many cultures is he coming into contact with, though, realistically, in his career before joining SG-1 as an archaeologist who studies dead people? An archaeologist anyway. who studies dead people, which was who was basically, like, blacklisted from his profession for his crackpot right, exactly. that were yeah, true, so like, but still... Yeah, so supposedly he wouldn't have necessarily come into that many more cultures than anybody else on the team has at this point, unless he did a ton of random cultural anthropology in grad school or something, which would not have anything to do with his goal of being an archaeologist. Anyway, he says that they're communal, but with no signs of real communication of any sort. They don't have any tools or any sign of functional civilization. (laughs) Jack says... So they're less evolved than we are, which, no, that's not how evolution works. They are differently evolved. They're not less evolved. So Daniel says, well, we can't jump to any conclusions because remember the Knox? It seems like they did build these homes. They're not very complex. They're just mud mud yeah. balls, essentially, like Kathy said. <laughs> Jack says that that's actually a kind of kind of appraisal to call them homes. And he asks about the UAV, and Daniel says that he tried, but he's had better conversations with with dogs. And Jack's like, so? Daniel says, so they are less evolved than we are, which, again, also made me angry. Because dogs are not less evolved than we are either. They have different abilities that we don't have that are more perfectly adapted to the niche in which they evolved than the niche in which we evolved. So differently, not more or less. And superior to many humans. Just throwing that and out also there. also that. Yeah. I had a genetics professor who, like, hated that term and ingrained in us why you really can't use that term when you're talking about evolution and in different organisms on Earth. Because everything has evolved for the same amount of time. And the the rate of genetic mutation that leads to evolution is about the same across the board for most uh, most eukaryotic organisms anyway. So you really can't say more or less evolved, just different for the niche. Ah. Yeah, cool. Anyway, dogs are great. They are. A moment later, a couple of people bring the UAV and its broken parts over and put them down in front of SG-1. And one of the aliens, the the main one, the first one that we came into contact with, emulates the flying motions <laughs> that Daniel was making inside. He sneezes yet again. Everybody looks concerned, but... Daniel assures them it's nothing to worry about, as though they understand. And then one of the people just falls over. Yep. So Daniel's like, oh, maybe I'm wrong then. One time in elementary school, I was in music class and I just fell over. I was fine. (laughs) I didn't, like, pass out. But I got in trouble because the teacher thought I did it on purpose. Oh, no. (laughs) That's really sad. (laughs) So anyway, it reminded me of that. Somehow I don't remember that. I don't know if you were in that class. I'm trying to remember when that was. 
We were in like almost all of the same classes after I moved there, but not always. Was, uh, so yeah, it was Mrs. McClay. I remember that. Yeah, oh, I loved her. Yeah, well, she started the year we moved okay, there, so okay. <laughs> it must have been sometime after we moved there. <laughs> yeah, she was not for children anyway. falling over. They needed to knock yeah. that shit off. Well, knowing you the way I do, I have absolutely no doubt that that, that was not no. intentional. <laughs> So Sam goes to check the person out, who is, unlike Kathy, unconscious here. And she's not sure if it really means anything, but she can't find a pulse, even though he's still breathing. If somebody's breathing, then they must have a pulse somewhere. Daniel hopes that this isn't because he sneezed on the person, which, gross, Daniel, like, cover your sneezes. <laughs> That's disgusting. Yeah. Silk says that the, the person seems to have some lubricant on them from the drone, so maybe that is what made them ill. Jack jokes that this could be their national pastime, which maybe they have low blood sugar. Suddenly all of the aliens start keening, and Daniel thinks that maybe it's supposed to have some medicinal powers. But then another alien falls over, so maybe not as medicinal as they would have hoped. Womp womp. <laughs> Back inside one of the orbs i don't know the dwelling the home to me they remind me of a dung ball that a dung beetle would be Ah, pushing around but with with doors (laughs) (laughs) most dung balls don't have doors (laughs) well inside this dung ball slash space ball slash home necklace and another of the people tend to one of the fallen and Tilk carries another in and lowers him to the ground. And Tilk's like, how about we leave now? We're, we're making them ill? And Sam thinks the same. It's possible. When she wonders what if they are causing this. Right. And Daniel says that these people don't know what's happening to them or how to help themselves. And Jack's like, we don't know either. <laughs> and then another one falls over. And Daniel says this is turning into an epidemic. Oops. Back at the gate, a medical team comes through with hoods on, and apparently Dr. Fraser is among them. We can't see her face, but we can hear her voice. She says, now this is a house call. I don't think we've seen her travel through the gate before, have we? Wait, no. Did She She did when uh, they found Cassandra, right? Or no? Did she? I don't remember, actually. I can't remember either. My brain is broken. We could probably yeah. look that up. We could. But I'm going to keep talking anyway. Jack and Tilt come to greet them. And show them the way to the village. So a little while later in the village, they get there, finally. Dr. Fraser asks Sam what the situation is now. And she says that there's 14 who are sick. And reiterates basically what we've already seen, that they double over on pain and then fall to the ground and remain unconscious. And she says that they've introduced a whole host of possible substances that could be responsible for it. So they reiterate some of the other things like damaging the mushroom thing and Daniel sneezing all over everyone. For real, Daniel, put on a mask. That's what they're for. Sam mentions the cut on her hand and and Tilk said the UAV lubricant again. So Dr. Fraser's like, yeah, yeah, well, at this point, anything, including somebody's aftershave, could really be the cause of it. But I need to run some tests. Are they going to be okay with that? Daniel says that they seem pretty agitated and concerned but that overall they've been pretty peaceful and passive and so he thinks that they would be willing to let her go ahead and try woo yeah 
at some point a little later, Dr. Fraser comes out of the structure, having removed all her protective <laughs> gear, and she tells the team that their tests are all clear, so I guess they got some tests too, lucky ducks. Mm. Daniel asks about the people who inhabit the planet, and Dr. Fraser says they look very similar to us, but they are very different. I wish she had reiterated more on yeah. that, but I guess that would have taken more creativity <laughs> on the writer's part. I mean, we get, we get a little bit of that later, yeah. but yeah. And she confirms that she does not know what's wrong, so she thinks that they could possibly bring a person, one of those folks who has passed out, back to Earth if they use a level two quarantine so that she can do different and more tests. Daniel wants to stay on the planet to keep trying to communicate and reassure them. And Jack's like, but aren't we making this worse? And Fraser's like, the damage is already done, which I feel like they could probably do more damage. <laughs> right? I mean, we've kind of all seen at this point how an epidemic yeah. and eventually pandemic spreads. <laughs> so she says, she tells them they should quarantine the sick and then go check out other villages to see if the illness has spread. Dude. Right? No. I know, because now if it hasn't, then you're probably going to spread it. But she thinks that if there is illness in the other villages, they might be able to rule themselves out as the reason for this. Okay. So <laughs> Jack orders Sam to go with Dr. Frazier to help out and give a report to Hammond, and the rest of them are going to stay behind. Yay. Yeah. So back at the gate, SG-1 is sure getting a lot of exercise in this episode. <laughs> they are. It's supposed to be, what, like 10 miles each way? It's 10 miles from the gate, yeah. So at this point now, some of them have walked 40 miles today. <laughs> and But, you know, it's all it's all fine. At the gate, we have all of SG-1, Dr. Frazier, the two medics that came through with Dr. Frazier that we never really fig found out who they were. Two conscious aliens and an unconscious alien on a stretcher. That must have been a rough walk, too, right? Yeah. 10 miles carrying someone on a stretcher? It's bananas. Woof. So they dial out. The conscious aliens are startled and seem concerned when the unconscious one is taken up and through the puddle. But Daniel assures them that it's all going to be fine. Again, not that they can really understand, but... No. They don't do anything to interfere. They seem to trust everybody. In the SGC, the alien is being wheeled through to the infirmary. And we see this from kind of from his perspective. So I guess he's awake mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah. yeah. He had his eyes open yeah. uh, a little bit later. And, or very shortly after yeah. this. And I actually thought that, like they do a few scenes like this throughout the episode where either it's from their perspective or the team mm -hmm. themselves are kind of off in the disc distance that we're seeing them have their discussions and whatnot. And right. I thought that was a kind of weird choice. But mm. I'll talk about that, I don't know, later. Or I'll forget. We'll sure. see. Anyway. Because <laughs> I was trying to figure out like what they were saying here other than, oh, I'm in a strange place. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I don't know what's going on, which we already knew. Anyway. <laughs> they wheel them into the infirmary and transfer them to a bed. Then, then they grab onto Sam's hand. And Sam explains then that the people had gathered and made music when they got sick at first. Yeah. 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 
I'd like to point out here that in the hallway, Dr. Frazier put a manual resuscitator, like a bag valve mask on the person's face, which you would not use for someone who was conscious with their eyes open as this person was when Thank she you. did that. I actually made a note of that, but then I didn't say anything about it because I was like, yeah. I don't even know what this thing is actually called. But thank you for yeah. pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so that was not the right equipment. And then as soon as they like move him into a hospital bed, she just sets it aside and doesn't put any other oxygen on him in place of that. So that was also bad practices there. <laughs> I don't know what she's up to. I'm starting to think that that person that gave her a really bad review or gave the show a really bad review for what a terrible doctor they think Dr. Frazier is, maybe they had a point. <laughs> I mean, I really like her character, yeah. but maybe. <laughs> maybe. All right. Back on the planet, Tilk and Jack are walking even further. They are, at this point, apparently they've gone back to the village. So they made it 10 miles back to the village, and now they're going to check out a nearby village, which who knows how far that is. Tilk asks O'Neill if he does not believe that they are responsible, and Jack says, yes, I believe that we are not. <laughs> yeah. Tilk says it's possible that somebody from the village that they were just in went to the next village and still could have spread the disease that way. And then suddenly, Jack falls over, similar to how the aliens did earlier. He seems to be in a lot of pain, but he says he's okay and gets back up. However, as they continue walking, he asks Tilk, can we just walk without talking, maybe? Tilk asks if he's sick, and Jack says he's fine, but he just has a little headache. I appreciate a little walking but not talking. Mostly mm-hmm. I was thinking about it in the context of running with friends. I'm like, mm. yeah. Sometimes I just need to breathe, man. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I breathe (laughs) when I run. Well, these days it is. I've run with you and no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start choking. It's fine. In the infirmary, Dr. Frazier is about to examine the person with an ultrasound thingy. That's technical. Yeah. (laughs) Very. (laughs) But when she goes to turn it on and use it, he starts wailing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm trying to... There's some device that actually... I I can't remember what it was, but some sort of noisemaker from... I'm recalling from childhood where it's making like basically the same noise, but... Oh, yeah. Like that Halloween noisemaker thing. Yeah. And I could... But like it it sounded the same to me. I don't... But it's also been, you know, yeah. decades since I've heard Ululating. Ah, yes. <laughs> That's the word, right? Sure. <laughs> I think. When that doesn't work, she decides to throw him in a MRI machine instead. <laughs> It'd be funny if they literally just tossed him in. <laughs> just threw him I suppose in. <laughs> they eased him in in the manner in which we're used to seeing this on TV. I, yes, that is how MRIs actually I've never work. actually <laughs> seen but it one in funnier, real yeah. life. However, that is the only thing about this scene that was like an MRI in real life. <laughs> is that he was slowly put into it. They left out most of the ridiculously loud noise. And for sure, that screen that they were showing later was not how an MRI really looks. <laughs> while this is, while, while he's in there, while they're in there, Dr. Frazier is telling Sam that their blood and human blood have commonalities but are very different i think she specified things but i didn't write them down 
She said like the cell types are the same and glucose and proteins are the same, but she didn't actually say what was different no, about she it. she did not. Which again, I'd have liked to have known, but I suppose it's understandable that the writers didn't feel yeah. like figuring it out. So the problem is, is that they've only got the human frame of reference, so they don't know what's normal to these people. And then on the screen, we seem to see perhaps a heart in their lower area of their abdomen. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely not human. Nope. Nope. Definitely not how MRIs work. (laughs) Also. (laughs) I take your word for that one. (laughs) Well, like for an MRI, you need to stay still. So it's not going to be showing like a beating heart. Like this image here is showing. Like it's it's taking an image, but it's not. It's not a video. of active motion. Yeah. They have very special devices on this show. Yeah. I had an MRI. It wasn't pleasant. Thankfully, I didn't have to go all the way in the machine because my claustrophobia would not have allowed for that. Yeah. In the village, Daniel's creeping around as he likes to do around sick people. He's watching the locals as they tend to the sick. And he goes outside and sees the main villager person kind of communing with one of those weird mushroom plant things it's extended and really tall much taller than the person but then as daniel approaches it it retracts down into the little balls that we've been seeing them as on the ground daniel asks the person what happened but of course they don't answer and just crouch down and kind of mimic what the plant did jack and teal come back and he tells them what just happened, but Jack is skeptical that it had any kind of significance or that Daniel really even saw anything. So Daniel's like, no, it's, it's totally going to happen. So let's all back up. <laughs> so they wait and they watch. And Jack says, witness, witness if, if you, you will. will. Squat. <laughs> Tilk reports that the people in the nearby village are also ill. And Daniel's upset and says that they really need to do something. And Jack says, I agree, but the brilliant revelations that you have are not great. So I don't know what we need to do. Well, Daniel argues, maybe you can come up with something better than inappropriate sarcasm. (laughs) So Jack leans into it and says, you want sarcasm? Nice to meet you. So another alien person comes up and is all smiles at them. The person seems bothered by the tone that Daniel and Jack are taking with each other. And Tilk says that's what he thinks the alien person is there for. And he says he's also bothered by this tone that they're taking with each other. So at this point, Jack sends Tilk back to the gate, not out of spite or anything, but just because it's time to send a message to Hammond. So another 20 miles for Tilk, who's already walked like, what, 60 miles today? Yeah, if you know, maybe more, maybe less, give or take. I don't know. Probably close. This could not be one day. (laughs) Right? I know. It can't possibly be. Like your body would not be able unless you've been training for this, your body would not be able to handle all of this in one day. (laughs) Dilk asks if they're gonna be okay, because he's worried about the the increasing level of animosity between Jack and Tilk. (laughs) Jack's like, Yeah, we'll be fine. I'm gonna stay here and work out a plan with Plant Boy over here. Oh, geez, dude. In the infirmary, Sam is with the patient and she's patting their arm and rubbing it like she'd observed the others on the planet do, which is very nice of her. It is. Hammond comes in, so Sam goes to see Ham and he reports that they're over 
100 sick on the planet now and those are the only ones they counted he also reports it's not lo- the illness is not local to the village itself like it's spread it's widespread that's the words i'm looking for yay no it's a pandemic yay <laughs> dr fraser says that the muscle they think is the heart is beating more erratically and she's not sure if he's going to die And she's also afraid to give him anything because it could make him worse because they don't know anything about these people. And Sam asks what Hammond thinks. And Hammond's like, this scenario is not totally unexpected. And Dr. Fraser chimes in that it's surprising it hasn't happened more often. I feel like we've had this exact conversation. Like, you and I have obviously had this conversation. But I feel like they've also had this exact conversation on the show multiple times before. Yeah, this isn't the... Although, yeah, is this the first time they've infected other people? Usually they're bringing back garbage to their own home. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true, too. (laughs) It is not our first time dealing with a contagion, but it is the first time where we seemed to be the cause of it. Or dealing with an illness, I should say. Fraser says that... They think because so many planets contain humans that were transplanted from Earth, they're not seeing it as much because the things that they could infect others with are already out there. Because humans Mm -hmm. are diseased, nasty creatures. We sure are. I say that with affection. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yes. It's just fact. You're just stating True. fact. <laughs> Hammond says they've only got so many, so much time and so many resources. To... So callous. <laughs> and Fraser's like, I didn't say it's hopeless. <laughs> Sam's like, they didn't ask for this. They're not able to help themselves. And she says they can't keep trampling through the galaxy with no regard for the damage they do. Which she is totally right about, but... Yeah. <laughs> Great point, Sam. Which sometimes they care about and sometimes they don't. Uh, like the time when the other group stole the weather machine from that planet, they totally cared right. about the damage they were doing. So, yeah. like it's <laughs> But here Hammond's like, "Schmidt, if these randos <laughs> die, they can't talk anyway, so who cares?" Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So they'd like some more time, but Hammond's like, well, the time's not up to me because these folks are dying. Also harsh. And they look over on the patient. Yeah. Yeah. It was great times. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot of long scenes in this movie, this episode. (laughs) Sure are. Back on the planet, Jack is trying to keep the locals inside without really any success. It looks like it's kind of like trying to herd cats, trying to get them to stay in. (laughs) They keep wanting to wander out. So Jack, who was in the hut, and we were hearing him from outside, wanders out with them. And he goes over to talk to Daniel. And Daniel's like, well, they just want to be with each other. Jack responds, we can't just keep standing around here and doing nothing. We got to do something. And so he was trying to keep the quarantine wrangled. And Daniel's like, well, I'm not doing nothing either. (laughs) Because you're videotaping a plant. (laughs) (laughs) But Daniel thinks that it's important. They continue to argue. Daniel is like, well, we have a difference of opinion on everything. 
It was like a little lover's spat, basically, yeah. but worse and annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel starts like full on bordering into temper tantrum. Jack asks, what do we disagree on? And Daniel's like, pick something. How about mythology? Jack responds, rumors, lies, and fairy tales. And Daniel is so angry about this that he literally jumps around in a circle and gestures at Jack saying, see, 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 see. An alien guy wanders up yet again to check out what's going on. They're kind of arguing in circles and getting literally nowhere. The alien person who had been standing there just looking confused and concerned continues to just kind of look on. Jack asks, sorry, well, now what? Daniel says he doesn't know, but he doesn't feel so good either. And Jack tells Daniel that he's got a headache too. So they're worried now that they're getting sick with whatever the locals have, and then suddenly the alien person falls over. So they carry him inside. They set him down inside, and then they sit down themselves. Jack says his headache is getting worse. And then Teal appears and reports that they've had no success with the alien on Earth in making him better. And Jack reports that they are not feeling well either, and... How is Teal'c? And Teal'c says, I am unaffected. So Jack thinks it's a good idea to go back and get themselves checked out. Teal'c offers to stay on the planet. <laughs> He's like, I've already walked like 100 miles today. Can I have a break now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they go to leave and Jack tells Teal'c if he's not back in 12 hours to come home, but that doesn't give them a lot of time if it's a six-hour no. walk. That's the entire right. thing. So basically, Teal'c should just follow them. Yes. <laughs> Daniel leaves the camera in the village set up and asks Teal'c to keep an eye on the plant thing, and Teal'c says, I will, I will keep, keep both, both eyes on it, Daniel, Daniel Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> because Teal'c is the best. Yes, agreed. <laughs> Daniel and Jack set off, and Teal'c and a bunch of the folks from the village who are not collapsed are just standing around. And as they're leaving, Daniel looks tired. Hmm. Jack asks Daniel if he's going to make it. And it seems like maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. They're not looking great. Not so yeah. much. But they head out. Walking 10 miles is hard it is. when you're not sick. Especially when you've already done it. Right? <laughs> like, like however many times today, many know. times. Especially when all you've been doing is walking and not taking any time to sleep. Yeah. Because <laughs> with how many times they've gone back and forth to the gate, they can't possibly take in any time to yeah. sleep. I don't know why they decided on this 10-mile thing. Right? I know, because it, for sure the timeline does not no, add up. and they don't bring it up again. Kind of, nope. They just didn't have any regard for what they said, and it kind of reminds me of the Gilmore Girls, where literally everything is a half an hour <laughs> from where they live. And I'm like, Connecticut's small, but it's not that small. It is not that small, though. No. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Very true. Can confirm, as someone who used to live out in the middle of nowhere, Connecticut, and had to drive over an hour to get yeah. anywhere. <laughs> Anyway, it just reminded me of that. They yeah. just didn't care. They just, like, said a thing, and that's what they were doing. But, yeah. <laughs> so in the infirmary, Jack and Daniel are sitting and looking sheepish and kind of stumbling their way through an apology conversation of, I was gonna, oh, I know, I know. But I think, well, no, I know. Kind of keep cutting each other off and just kind of 
getting that they're both sorry for what happened. And then they agree that something goes wrong with us. And as they come to that agreement, Dr. Fraser comes in and says, nothing is wrong with you. Everyone's fine. Everything's fine. You're all good. So she's suddenly called away to the alien patient at that point and is told he's flatlining. She says, normally I'd defibrillate, which is another reason that I'm starting to think, yeah, maybe she really is the worst doctor because that's not what you do when someone's flatlining, as I've said. <laughs> and she's like, but I don't know what would do in this case. And my guess would be nothing because that's what would happen if you tried defibrillating a flatlining person. Also, nothing. So she starts doing CPR instead, which would be the correct course of action. And I did notice that she seemed to be doing it on their abdomen instead of on their chest. And I guess she's getting kind of desperate at this point because she's been trying to hold off on giving any medications up to now. But she goes and tells one of the nurses to get him some uh, epinephrine and a lidocaine IV. Woo. It'd be very uncomfortable for somebody to press on your tummy. Just throw that yeah, right? Just like <laughs> well... I mean, I guess they're not conscious for it. I anyway, suppose. Yeah. It's like, I don't even like when my cats walk across my stomach or yeah. or across <laughs> my chest for that matter. Yes, both are unpleasant. Anyway, there's nothing to do with I get anything. both cats and dogs Ugh. doing that. Like your tiny... Thankfully, it's not... I mean, not that Lily's that big. She's like 30 or 35 pounds. But thankfully, it is just the smaller dog. Yeah. But all their weight is just concentrated in those little feet and they're just mm-hmm. on you. It's Teeny no, little feet, right? They're stabbing, stabbing. <laughs> Especially your yeah. cats. So much weight on such tiny they are. Feet. Although Pepper's looking very svelte these days, she's lost some weight. Oh, good for I her. mean, oh wait, is it's that probably be- because, because of-, of her? Yeah, the the vet thinks it has to do. They it wasn't unexpected for her to lose weight when they started her on the insulin. Oh, okay. I was going to ask if it was because of the diabetes or because it's properly being managed now. It's, it's there's still we're still so. working on the dosage, but, gotcha. but she lost some weight, which I it's fine as Aww. long as she's got an appetite. I'm happy and yeah. <laughs> wouldn't kill Pepper to lose some weight. <laughs> right, exactly. So weight loss because the medication is working is yeah. good, but weight loss because she was sick not yeah. necessarily so good. Anyway, that was a tangent, <laughs> <laughs> but an important one. Back on the planet. Teal gets the opportunity to see a bunch of the mushroom plants grow super tall. Even taller than yeah. Teal, and he's a tall yeah. person. He starts to approach one of them, but it shrinks back into the ground. Retracts. That's a better word. You said that. Yeah. Sure. The other two stand tall till he then makes the move towards them, and they also go back down. Teal then gets down and starts digging at the dirt with his knife and he finds the plant is underneath him parts of it so he touches it and then sticks his finger in it (laughs) and comes out with more of that goo and then suddenly he is in a lot of pain and then passes out oops Oops. don't touch that goo tilk right not without gloves on no Mm mm-mm I don't know if Sam had... It didn't look like Sam was touching it with her bare she hands. She was wearing gloves. I, I specifically okay. saw I her take them off as she was sealing up the sample. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. That's good. Maybe Tilk thought his symbiote would protect him, but clearly yeah. it didn't. Yeah. So back on Earth, Sam tells Jack and Daniel that the alien friend is stable for now. Daniel says if the person's going to die, then they should be with their own kind. And he leaves the room and heads back to his nerd lab. 
Jack comes in and finds Daniel watching the videos that he took on the planet and asks what Daniel's looking for. And Daniel doesn't really know. He'd be happy to find something, anything at this point. And Jack's like, well, we can't always expect things to go the way we want. And Daniel, once again, gets overcome by rage, rightfully so, yelling about how one false step leads to a whole planet being wiped out and we're killing a race of people and how can I not care? And then he says that his head is starting to hurt again. So he storms off and goes back to see Dr. Frazier. She checks Daniel out. His pupils are fine. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) He says he feels fine again. So she asks what happened when it started. And Daniel said he was watching, but stops, (gasps) excuses himself, and leaves. And they all follow. And this whole back and forth they do a bunch of times reminded me of the end of Clue, where they're all following (laughs) Wadsworth around. (laughs) I love that movie so much. (laughs) I don't want to watch that movie again. They follow Daniel back to his nerd lab, and he says there must be something the camera recorded that we can't see. And Sam's like, or here. So she asks for the tape. He hands it off to her, and now they follow her out of the room. (laughs) On we go. The journey continues in the control room. Sam does some sciencing on a computer and isolates a very annoying sound that she says has been underlying all of the videos that Daniel took. I don't know how she manages to figure that out from just like two seconds of audio, but somehow she did. She thinks that it could be this noise that's been causing the symptoms of the illness. And Dr. Fraser's like, for sure it is, because certain frequencies of sound can make people feel really ill with nausea and headaches, and the longer they're exposed, the worse it gets. So I'm going to have a little nerd tangent here, too, where she's actually referring to infrasound, which is sound that is too low for us to be able to hear but is low enough and if loud enough can theoretically do things like vibrating the vitreous liquid in our eyes and various other fluids and make us feel really icky. There is conflicting data out there about whether or not this is an actual phenomenon or whether it's kind of more of people's, um, not really minds playing tricks on them, but kind of like more of a placebo thing, like people expect to feel something and so they do. But the phenomenon is the thought to have a lot to do possibly with people who see ghosts huh. not that they're really seeing ghosts but that you know maybe something about these weird low infrasounds is literally vibrating the fluid in their eyes and making them see things that the are not ghost there. is making the noise mary <laughs> and making <laughs> themselves visible how else do you know that the ghost is there if they don't make that noise and then make themselves visible by vibrating your eyes or whatever That is very true. And all of the ghost hunter shows that I love so much are never really checking for low infrasound like this. So you could be absolutely right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But in any case, she makes it sound like it's a certain and known thing. And it's not. As I said, they've they've done a lot of research into it. And the results are kind of conflicting as to whether or not it's a real phenomenon that affects people. Anyway. So Daniel figures that the sound must be what's making the aliens sick. But Fraser points out that the aliens that the alien that they brought back is still sick, even though he's not around that sound anymore. And Daniel's like, oh, right, because that alien's not sick, but all of us who were feeling sick on the planet are now better now that we're away from that planet. So they get an incoming wormhole. Apparently the SG-1 code is verified. Jack orders the iris to open because Hammond is places, who knows. Tilk stumbles through. 
So Sam, Jack, and Dr. Frazier all head down and help him up and then help him down the ramp. And he sits down and then just like all the others, he reports that he's suddenly starting to feel better now that he's back on Earth. And Daniel's like, I guess you weren't impervious to it after all. Daniel and Jack tell him about the, the weird infrasound theory that they've come up with. And Tilk says that he had thought that his illness was due to the organism attacking him. So everyone is kind of confused about that. He tells them about how he saw the plants grow and retract and checked out the root system underground and found that as he got closer, he became more disoriented and in more pain. And then movement started to become difficult. And Daniel suddenly has an epiphany and runs out. And Jack asks, where are you going? And Daniel pauses for a second and like raises his hand and looks like he's going to say something and then stops himself and then just leaves and says, come on. <laughs> so more running around clue style. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. They go back to the control room. Daniel wants to know if they had the recordings from the drone that crashed and the non-Pualter, non-crush guy (laughs) says, indeed, they do have that. Sam tells him to do the thing that makes the noise appear and we find that there is a noise underneath that recording as well. And they notice that the sound has changed from before the UAV crashed and after. So Mm -hmm. Jack's like, oh, the plant's making that sound? And Sam's like, well, it is an alien organism on another planet. He says, good point. (laughs) So Daniel says they accidentally changed the natural sound of that world and because they had hurt the plant. And Sam says the aliens are affected by the sound in a different way than humans are, and they might need it at a certain frequency in order to live. Dr. Fraser is like, oh yeah, they had that reaction to the ultrasound because they were sensitive to it. Woo! Woo! Ultrasound, if anyone cares, is way above our hearing frequency versus infrasound, which is below it. Mm. If anyone cares. Everyone cares. <laughs> So in the infirmary, Daniel is putting a cassette into a cassette tape player. <laughs> uh, old technology. Yeah. Still cracks me up. Hammond recaps absolutely everything that just was discussed in the last scene. And Jack's like, yeah, that all sounds right. Dr. Frazier says that the alien's pulse is getting stronger now that it's being played sounds from the video before the crash. The alien wakes up and sings very briefly and smiles. Back on the planet, they've walked another 10 miles and (laughs) have set up frequency emitters on the planet. That doesn't look like it was probably very fun to carry over those full 10 miles. It was a pretty big array of stuff she was and how what's the sort of range on this kind of thing like is this going to reach all the villages i don't know anything about this stuff so maybe it is i don't know it won't what's powering it i don't know and how long will it be powered for all good questions that we will never probably get an answer on no daniel wants to see if this works but sam has a hunch about something and says they should go watch from the ridge and that they might be in the way if they stay So they say goodbye to the planet folks. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And they depart the village. They do. And the aliens raise their hand in goodbye. 
Up on the ridge, as promised, SG-1 is watching the village. Daniel asks Sam how much longer it's going to be, but she doesn't know. Jack asks if she's going to let them in on what she's expecting to happen, but she says, nope, not yet. So they wait a little bit longer. The aliens all start singing together. Not real words, but just like a couple notes. And the plants start growing. Daniel asks if that was her hunch, and she suspects that there is some sort of symbiotic relationship between the people and the plants that they probably don't even realize themselves. And Daniel wants to know, well, how'd you figure that out? Sam hesitates. (laughs) Jack kind of prods her captain. (laughs) Sam's like, I talked to my my plants, okay? (laughs) And then the final shot of the episode is a plant not just growing, but also blossoming into big, pretty pink flowers. Yeah. Yeah. And talking to your plants actually might be helpful because they need carbon dioxide to do photosynthesis and breathing on them as you do when you're talking, gives them more of it. And maybe it'll help you because you have a lot of problems and you don't want to always talk to them to other humans, so your plants are right? a, a captive audience. And exactly, they're great listeners. dump all your shit on them. <laughs> actually, they'd probably yeah, be happy if you dump true. some shit on them also. <laughs> See? Both physical and metaphorical shit works for plants. Plants are the ultimate friend. Yep. <laughs> So that was it. Kathy, did you like the episode? I I don't think I did. Yeah. I I mean, I enjoyed elements of it. Like I I really mm-hmm. like that they they're good at showing that Jack and Daniel have a strong relationship despite their obvious differences of philosophy and personality. So this was a good way to highlight it. Mm-hmm. And I liked that and some of the scenes were very silly, and I enjoyed those, too. <laughs> and I like the concept of, you know, more alien aliens, I think, which I think I've mentioned before when we were doing that other one where Jack gets impaled, which I can't remember the name of at the moment. <laughs> I don't know. I can never yeah. remember the name. <laughs> uh, but I just, like, the camera work was super weird to me. Like, I didn't understand why they made the choice to sort of display the team from a distance at certain points. Like, mm-hmm. it just didn't, like, were they trying to, like, show that these people were confused and don't understand, but that just didn't work? Like, it wasn't, I don't know what it was. It just was weird and I didn't like it. And I thought that their treatment of these folks was terrible their Hammond's attitude Mm -hmm. was awful uh and it was overall it was not a very thrilling episode either it was just not exciting and yeah yeah what about you i would say yeah my my thoughts are much the same it i didn't hate it as much as i was expecting to based off of the description because as i said like i didn't really remember it all that well going into it so the description i was thinking oh great like COVID-19 parallel here and I thought it was going to be like really bad so it wasn't as bad as I was expecting but it, it it's not an episode that I particularly like either I for sure agree that they're not treating the people on this planet well and as I said it really annoys me that they're talking about them being less evolved when they're just differently evolved we just have built more technology even if we're talking about like you know chimpanzees or dogs or other things we're not more evolved than they are we're just differently evolved we all had the same amount of time so that's something that I get really frustrated with is when people talk about things being more or less evolved and act like it's a bad thing to be less evolved than humans are 
Um, so it was tough for me to get past that part just because of how much <laughs> that annoys me. <laughs> then there was also a lot of other bad science in this too, just like scattered throughout so that like when I would start getting over one thing, then they would bring up another thing and I'd just be like, <laughs> all right, fine, I'll let that go. But then, <sighs> all right, fine, I'll let that one go too. And then, <laughs> so like just constantly being like, all right, let it go. God damn it. Again, <laughs> more bad science. So it was a very irritating episode to me because of that. There were, though, there were a lot of parts of the dialogue or various things that did actually make me laugh. So there were amusing points. I didn't absolutely hate the episode because there were some entertaining bits. I didn't actually even notice any of the stuff that you were talking about with um, like the, the oh. how how the, the shots were framed or anything. Um, so that, that's an interesting take that I myself didn't notice, but I'm interested to hear your that you had that opinion yeah. on that. And I think that's pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah. So not great. For sure, not the worst we've seen. Indeed. But not as not as bad as I had feared, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Definitely not a favorite. No. <sighs> Should we talk about what's next? Yes, but I was busy oh. drinking my beer. So now that I've had some beer to drink, what is next? <laughs> next. <laughs> What are you drinking? I am drinking the last of the super knots that oh, Colin left here the other night. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, we had a we had a are you drinking weekend. Anything? I have a I have an athletic NA beer here. Nice. Um, nom nom nom. Excellent. Yeah. I was thinking of going with a non alcoholic beer, but then I was like, you know, it's been a long day, tiring That's day. That's fair. I'm gonna have a real one. I, I would have to leave my house to find alcohol, so that was no, that wasn't sure. gonna I happen. Left my so house. <laughs> I got home and I was like, "Nope, I'm never going anywhere ever again." That's not true, but yeah. Anyway, so next, yeah. <laughs> next we are watching Stargate SG One season two, episode twenty. Wow. Show and tell. A young boy announces to the SG One team that the Gold destroyed his planet, Retalia. And now Ritu rebels intend to kill all human beings. Um, Retalia? So, like, super original name of this planet. The planet people are planning to retaliate against all humans, so they name the... This. That seems like some bad writing right the off. The description had two <laughs> E's, so it's like R-E-E-Talia. I don't know, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's pretty uh, on the nose there. <laughs> yes, a little the- bit. Booklet says a young boy mysteriously appears at Stargate Command and pleads for help, claiming the gold are chasing him to find a race of invisible beings. But the SG-1 team doesn't know that the invisible aliens actually plan to destroy humanity, and their invasion has already begun! (gasps) No! I am not sure if I remember this episode. I might be confusing it with a different episode, so I can't really say whether or not I like it. If it is the one that I am thinking it might be, then I think I like it. But if I'm confusing it with a different one, then I have no idea. <laughs> I vaguely recall it, but I don't remember enough about it to say either way. I think I would skip it. Okay. My vague impression, I think I would watch it. Unlike this one, I probably, if I weren't doing a full rewatch, I would probably just skip around and this would be one I skipped. But that one... Oh, yeah, for sure. I was thinking about that the other day, some of the episodes that I know are coming up that I'm like, ugh, I have to watch that episode again. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we can't really skip them. No. I mean, we could, that but would we won't. Be, yeah. That would be incomplete, and I couldn't handle exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, it would bother me. It's like having a puzzle that you've completed, but there's like oh. one piece missing from the center. Do you know what helps with that? 
doing puzzles online because i was gonna say never doing puzzles or never that's doing puzzles solution. that's the other solution <laughs> i like puzzles though but, i've been yeah. i've been doing yeah, them puzzles online, online because is good. then i have all the pieces and my cats don't lay all over it and yeah. <laughs> also a good point we can't have potato anywhere near any puzzles no. that we're doing yeah anyway yeah as always thank you for listening Make sure that you subscribe to us if you have not already done so. We are available on pretty much every podcatcher. And you can get our episodes as soon as they're released every other Monday if you do so. You can find us on YouTube as well. We appreciate reviews and likes on all of those formats since they help other people to find the podcast. And word of mouth is great for that as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram where we are at StargateZing. You can check out our website and contact us there, stargatezing.space. And if you're feeling generous, you can visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash to become a patron there and get access to all kinds of bonus donor content. There we go. <laughs> Got it this time. <laughs> Bonus donor content, such as bonus episodes and extra information about what's going on behind the scenes. Last but not least, Kathy and I are going to be offering not all of the bonus episodes, but specifically the Stargate's Origins episode for anybody who is not ready to commit to long-term monthly donations via Patreon. Anyone that wants to make a one-time donation of $15 or more to us via PayPal, stargatesing at gmail.com, will get access to all of the Stargate Origins episodes that we have been releasing to our Patreon patrons up to this point. So again, that won't get you access to all of the same bonus content that the Patreon patrons get who are contributing regularly, but it will get you at least a little something extra, and it for sure helps us out. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end? <laughs> <laughs>